Hello to all my people, and if you're listening to this podcast, you're most definitely my people. Welcome to another episode of Botch Bots and Chair Shots. We still have high hopes of delivering quality wrestling content, but if not, we'll deliver mediocre wrestling content, but we'll sprinkle in some AEW news and Ring of Honor rumors. You know, so we still get over it. I'm your host, a chef by trade and a mark by choice. I am the Will Gray, and I'm glad to be here today on this journey, and that journey is AEW bot Ring of Honor? What in the world happened last night? But remember, here at Botch Botch and Chair Shots, we're calling in the ring from all the angles. So last night on a really exciting episode of Dynamite, Tony Khan had a big announcement that he'd been prepping everybody for. On a press release as of March 2nd, 2022, states that Tony Khan has reached an agreement to acquire Ring of Honor. This will include the video library, their brand assets, their intellectual properties, all of this from what was once the con- considered to be the third largest promotion in the country. Bobby Mack, what are your initial thoughts on the AEW and Ring of Honor buyout, merger, whatever you want to call it? This is a, as exciting as buying the NWA. It's a dead brand. I don't consider Ring of Honor a number three. If it is a number three, it's a very distant number three. Um, this is 10 years too late. Uh, Ring of Honor went out of business last year, year before, and released all their talent. So he literally, all he did was buy a library. So he beat Vince to buy in the library to be able to put complicate, complications or out of his current stars. So I'm so not I, so excited about it. So I kind of get to, this is a good opportunity here for me because what you said is true, but also kind of not in the same sense. Yes, Ring of Honor folded in 2021, with the the final battle but when they folded if i understand it right um what what's his name uh the owner you remember uh, no i don't remember the specific owner's name i know that it was owned by it's owned by a major media house um which you know that that's tell me too like they're just like tbs or just like any anybody else like they're just letting go of the things that they don't seem worthy and don't seem that it's profitable. And I don't know how Tony Khan is going to turn this into a profitable, profitable situation, unless maybe he's planning on launching a network. And um, Carrie, I found it. it's Carrie Silken, but my point is long story short, wrapping it back around, like when they folded in 2021 at the end of the final battle, uh, Silken said that when they come back in April, there would be a new incarnation of ring of honor. They only folded for a short time. And to say they're dead, I completely disagree. They were the top of the line as far as independent wrestling goes behind the two big boys. And before AEW was founded, the guys who started AEW came from Ring of Honor. So it's hard, it's, it's hard for me to say that Ring of Honor was a dead product when the guys who left Ring of Honor now help run the second largest promotion in the country. Yeah, but you could say that about a lot of people, you know, like if you look at their alumni section, you've got Tyler Black, got AJ Styles, uh, Brandy Rhodes, Um, you know, there's people that are out there. Yeah, you but you could also say in the long run, you know, that you could look at the WCW and say, oh, this person came from there, this person came from there, AWA, same thing. There's still guys around. It doesn't mean that they're the like they're, they're meaningful. Like it doesn't mean that they they're like the top stars of today that they're going to put on this major show, this major production, the Jacksons and, you know, Omega or, um, you know, any of those guys that came from ring of honor. Yeah. They came there, but they were also in new Japan. They were also here. They're also there. So just to say you stopped somewhere and got a paycheck doesn't really make you a homegrown star. 
Well, since you brought up WCW, there are definitely shades of the WCW, WWE buyout from 2001, even down to them both being in March. You know what I mean? Because when Shane was on Nitro, it was in March, all of this. So let's put our tinfoil hats on for a second. With the parallels being there, with the dismissal of the product, the prodigal son, I can't even say that right ever, the prodigal son and Shane and the public fallout of the McMahon dynasty. Then Shane shows up on Nitro as the owner of WCW. Everybody knows that story. So do you see this being a work to somehow have Cody Rhodes come back into the picture as a booker for Ring of Honor, or at least some sort of a president in that company? And if they go that direction, do you have anything, do you think he'll have anything to do with acquiring the rights to the American Dream moniker that his dad used? Like, you see what I'm saying? Are they going to bring him back as kind of like, the Triple H of NXT or the Shane and WCW, like kind of the uh, the angry kid who took his ball and went home and then started his own league. Yeah, it is funny you mentioned that because that's one of my first thoughts was when I heard Tony Khan's announcement was, oh, is this where Cody's going? Is Cody going to ROH? Has he bought this for Cody to run this? Because, um, you know, famously, Cody's not getting along with the Bucks and Omega behind the scenes as vice presidents. So is he going to give Cody his own company to run? And as big as his um, roster has gotten at AEW, uh, his being, of course, Tony Khan, uh, pronouns pal, um, he could potentially put some of these people over on ROH and make ROH its own separate product, creating a true brand split that the WWE has failed at. So when you look at it from that perspective, do you think Cody has the chops as a booker to really run his own show, though? Because when you look at what he did in the entry level of AEW, when he was running specifically his storyline, everything about him was about him. Do you think he'll be able to let go of the ego long enough to run a promotion the right way? No, I don't think he does. Um, I think that's one thing that he lacks. And I can't say lacks from his father because his father always put himself in the main events. Um, his father always was competing for the world championship or competing, you know, against the biggest stars like Lex Luger for the U.S. title and things like that. Um, Cody doesn't fall that far from the tree when it comes to that. The one thing I think Cody does lack is self-humility. And I think Dusty did have that over him where Dusty could lose a match. Dusty could lose a feud um, and then continue on to do something else where Cody just Cody thinks of himself as the top star where Dusty knew at, at a certain time that he was going to be the secondary star, whether it be the Magnum TA, Nikita Koloff, the Road Warriors, he would pair himself up with the top stars, but not necessarily be the top star. And I think that's where Cody's problem is. And his other problem is to his left or his right, his wife. And his wife is an egomaniac that will never settle for not being on camera. I've said this once before in an article I wrote, um, about how the inmates are running the asylum in AEW. Because when I brought it up there, I mentioned Brandy Rhodes. She runs and has the exact same position in AEW that Stephanie McMahon has in Connecticut with WWE. So I was comparing the two women. And Stephanie grew up in the business. She was raised in wrestling. Everybody knows the history. Best friend, sat on Andre's knee, all that nonsense. But when you look how Brandy came up, she was put through, as far as I know, I might be corrected, but she was put through performance center style training. She went through workouts and camps. She didn't really get groomed in the business. So for them to put somebody who doesn't understand the business of wrestling at its core in a position of somebody who runs the brand 
because she's the chief brand officer of AEW. So somebody who runs the brand of the wrestling company who doesn't get the business. I feel like that was a red flag from the get-go. Yeah, right away. Like when you look at that, like um, AJ Lee, I think famously said it to the Bella Twins that uh, professional wrestling isn't passed by sexual um, encounters. And that's where Brandy Rose is at. Like she just wants to be famous. Like she's a good looking person. Don't get me wrong. She's a very beautiful woman. But the thing is like, she thinks that she's a bigger star than what she is. She was a third string ring announcer in WWE when she was there. And then she got put in this role when they left that she was like a big, a big star, but you know, being a big star on the Indies, no disrespect to anybody on the Indies because I respect all the guys. But when you have the moniker former WWE superstar and you go to an Indies, you're automatic main event. And I think that got to her head when she went to the Indies with Cody and then went to ROH and was always celebrated as this big deal because she had the moniker former WWE superstar. And that goes for anybody that's ever been in WWE. You go to an indie show, your former WWE superstar, you're making more money than anybody else on that card. So my opinions on Brandy Rhodes are very split. I think as a person, she does great things for the community. I think she's a great mom. She's hilarious on the reality TV shows, all of that. I don't care about any of that, though, because this is a wrestling show. When I watch her in the ring, simply based off of the work in the ring, she she reads off of a script worse than I've ever seen. She's as bad as Ronda Rousey. She'll memorize exactly what she's supposed to say, and she'll go out there and recite it like she's in the ninth grade theater program. She can't work. All of her work is it's spotty in a way, and you'll get this as somebody who's been in the business and been trained. Like she goes out there and she runs spots like she's still in the ring, like in the training ring working out. You can see it in the way she moves. She's constantly like you can see the rhythm in her head. Her cadence seems off. And I feel like if you're going to consider yourself a superstar and you don't have a cadence in the way you work in the ring, how can I take you seriously as worker if you can't wrestle? Right. And one thing that really bothers me about Brandy and Cody is the fact that they claim their dog's a service dog when it's not. It's not a service dog. It's not a service dog. And that that is an insult to me. Like that's an insult to anybody that's ever had a service dog. Um, and that like upsets me. That self-entitlement that they both seem to feel. And I don't know if Cody had this before he met Brandy or after Brandy, but it just seems like Cody would be so better off without Brandy. Like she just seems like she is a She's always going to be around professional wrestling. If she divorces Cody tomorrow, I guarantee you she will marry a wrestler like six months from then because she wants to be in the spotlight. So let's kind of get back on topic of the AEW buyout. So do we both agree that if Cody Rhodes is the booker for Ring of Honor, it could be one of those flip a coin and see. It could be a, a great success. We don't know what he would be like running all of creative, and it could also be a nightmare. Not an American nightmare, though. Yeah, um, I think it's interesting. Uh, if Tony Khan does this and he allows Cody to do this, it's, I think, a question of just like with Triple H and um, NXT, how long does the creator let the monster run the show? And NXT, Vince let Triple H run the show for years and years and finally decided, you know, this isn't my vision. I'm taking it back over. So, I think it would be interesting if Khan let Cody do this, but then I'm also curious about 
how long does he let him experiment with his money? Okay, let's uh, let's try to get back to some reality now, and let's just look at the pure ramifications of what this actually means. So let's look at the list of the current Ring of Honor champions. The world champion Ring of Honor, Jonathan Gresham. Their women's champion is Diana Perazzo. Also the reigning Reina de Reinas world champion, AAA out of Mexico. So now you've got Diana two belts and the female belt, the collector, on or at least ability to be used in an AEW roster. The world TV champ is Rhett Titus. The pure wrestling champion is Josh Woods. The six-man champions are the Righteous, which is made up of Vincent, Bateman, and Dutch. I see your head shaking. So far, you're like, who the hell are these guys? Yeah, and I'm also thinking, how many belts do they have for such a small promotion? Like, there's literally like 30 guys on their roster, and they've got 15 belts. They've got six titles, and the last one is the Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions, which are the Briscoes, okay? There's obviously big matches that could be made off of this list with great stories. But starting off, I think Britt Baker versus Perazzo would be a great one because you have both of them. They're both really over. They both can talk. They can both can work. It's an obvious like gold mine for a, a match and a story. Who would you like to see a brawler and technician like Jonathan Gresham lock up against? I don't know who Jonathan Gresham is. Um, uh, so if, if he's a brawler and technician, I would say Daniel Bryan. You think you'd like to see him go against a technical guy? I think somebody like a Christian Cage would be a lot of fun. Somebody that could get in there and tell a story, but could also fight and also wrestle. Um, we'll get into Brian Danielson later when we talk about the pure championship rules. Um, I feel like maybe Jonathan Gresham could lock up good with like a, a Willie Hobbs, like a big power kind of guy that can also shoot, can get in there and throw your punches. Um, I would like to also see him aim against like a Wardlow. You yeah, see what I mean? Yeah, but the issue also is ROH has canceled everybody's contract. So these guys might still be on their website as champions, but ROH, they canceled everybody. Nobody, nobody is under contract to ROH at this point. But the guys that are reigning champions for Ring of Honor have a clause that allows them to carry that into wherever they wrestle. So since Tony Khan owns those titles, technically speaking, if they were to drop those titles anywhere, they have to go through Tony Khan to do so now moving forward. They can't go to an indie promotion and decide that Tom, Dick, or Harry are going to win the six-man tags from the Righteous. That's not how this is going to work. Um, so these guys who currently have these Ring of Honor titles will eventually have to go through TK's pocket to either drop them to somebody else or to start defending them on AEW or Ring of Honor TV, depending on how things fold in April. Because those titles will come home in April when Ring of Honor comes back and whatever reincarnation they are then. Yeah, the relaunch will be interesting. Um, but, you know, like these guys, again, like these guys are carrying belts that don't really mean anything at this point. It's kind of like, you know, with Rhino carrying that ECW TV championship and losing it to uh, Matt Cardona like a couple uh, months ago. Like it, it, that doesn't mean much when you're a defunct uh, place. Like they, the talents at ROH lost, most of them are over at Impact now, aren't they? Like doing the Impact um, invasion. So I'm kind of curious too, like what this does for that. Like, because obviously none of those guys, you know, Maria Canellas, um, POH, all of them, they're not under contract for ROH, but they're representing the invasion, the ROH angle. And I'm wondering now, does Tony Khan need to go after them um, for um, the same thing that WWE went after Scott Hall and Kevin Nash for when they went to WWE, the uh, misrepresentation, misrepresentation of the brand? Um. I think that 
the way it's going to fold out, it's not going to be like they're a defunct dead promotion. I feel like you're looking at it wrong way. They didn't fold and they're not in existence anymore. When I said fold earlier in the conversation, maybe I misspoke and it wasn't the right word for it. They're not dead in a sense that they're not promoting anymore. They said they were just stopping what they were doing. And in April, they would come back in a new version of Ring of Honor. They released the contracts because they weren't going to be making any money over the next six months. So what they did was they liquidized everything they could to avoid bleeding while they reshaped and refocused. The people who currently have the championship still have a championship for an active promotion, an active promotion that is just not promoting shows currently. So when you say defunct and dead, it's not quite the same thing as ECW because ECW is long dead and gone. Ring of Honor is just kind of in a hiatus. So I agree, but I don't really agree with what you're saying because yes, it's a, a lost promotion that's not currently out there, but it's not the same thing as ECW because Ring of Honor will be gone for a total of four months, whereas ECW has been gone in the real version of what Eastern Championship Wrestling into Extreme Championship Wrestling into the that BS WWE version of it. The real ECW ended in 2001. Right. So it's been gone for 20 years. Yeah, the TV title is irrelevant. I didn't even remember that Rhino was the last TV champion. So I can agree with what you're saying, but I disagree in likening Ring of Honor to a 20-year-old promotion that hasn't been relevant since. Right. Well, I could say this. Ring of Honor, I think, lost one of its biggest keys in uh, Quinn McKay. Quinn McKay is an announcer, as a TV personality. Um, she's She was amazing. Like, her character, like she dressed up like a nerd, but if you actually saw her in indies, like you, she was a really in shape person and also a pretty decent professional wrestler. Now she's at the Performance Center in Orlando. And I think that's going to be a key. Like her and Danhausen, like they made the commentary, like they made the show, I think, as much as the performers in the ring, outside the ring, those two personalities to me is what attracted me to ROH. Okay. So the Briscoes against FTR is an obvious showcase program, right? They could develop a back and forth over the next few shows and specials in a 10 or 12 week program spanning two pay-per-views. They've got ability to talk. They've got ability to fight. And if you mix all of that together with their already developed and month long beef on Twitter and other social medias, they can give us good stories. These teams are great. So what are your thoughts on the Briscoes and in possibly invading the tag team division of AEW? I think it's amazing. Like the Briscoes have already commented since last night, give us FTR. Like what's stopping this um, on, on Twitter. So I think what's stopping the Briscoes is the Bucks because the Bucks don't want the Briscoes around because the Briscoes are out. Well, they'll outshine them. They'll outshine them every single time. The Briscoes are a rough, tough tag team. They've got unorthodox interview styles. They they're very unorthodox looks. Everything about them is anti-corporate, but they are the best independent tag team out there. Second to maybe the Heat Seekers, which is just a personal choice. Um, but I think the Briscoes, the Briscoes are only going to be held back by their own ambitions and by the Young Bucks. I I feel like the Briscoes right now in their career after 20 years in Ring of Honor and 12 titles and a million other championships everywhere else, I feel like they're at the point now where they've been very vocal how it's about a paycheck. 
So to them, they're not, they want the money, but they're also true to their roots that I think to a certain extent, if TK or any of the guys, the EVPs decided to look at them and say, you need to change this about your gimmick, the Briscoes would say no. At this point, they don't necessarily need AEW because they can continue to wrestle whenever and however and when, whenever, wherever and however they want. They don't need AEW to make them over. They're already over. So I yeah. feel like this is a thing where AEW is going to have to accept the Briscoes as is and know that that's what they're getting. Because if they don't, I don't think the Briscoes will come in there and do their thing if it's the Briscoes light. Right. The Briscoes wouldn't come in like to a WWE and like the sheep herders turn into the bushwhackers. Like they're not going to do that. The Briscoes are who they are and what they want to represent. And that's just how they are. And that's, that's probably a detriment to their career. That's probably why they'll never be in a hall of fame, you know, a WWE hall of fame or something like that. But the same fact is they're true to themselves. And for that, and for them, that's success. And I, you, you gotta, you gotta praise somebody that's like that. Uh, moving right along on that list, are you familiar at all with pure wrestling rules? No, what is pure wrestling rules? Let's okay, see. so Ring of Honor, I'm going to to kind of give the bastardized like abridged version of this. Ultimately, it's very old school wrestling. Can't throw over the top rope. You only get so many rope breaks. You get penalized if you try to do an illegal break after that point. Five counts, uh, really stern. Like you're, you're not supposed to leave the ring. If you do, there's very hard count outs. Like very, they try to keep it as pure and like old yeah old school shoot wrestling as much as possible with this very unique rule set do you think they'll ever give a main eventer like brian danielson a chance to showcase his technical side and a more old school feel with the pure wrestling rules or do you think they'll keep him in the main event status and working that and not give him a chance to work on this like more of a traditional shoot style title i think you know with danielson and like punk both of them they, they did come from ROH, um, and that's pretty much, I think, what got them over in WWE. That's what got them over in NXT. That's what got them over now in AEW, is they're able to work that old-school style and appreciate rules. And I, they're true professional wrestlers, where nowadays, you know, the other guys are sports entertainers. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that they would thrive in that kind of rule set, because that's basically what they do anyway, because they accept the rules of professional wrestling and they respect them. And I think that's why their matches are always more over than the other people that they work with. So you mentioned CM Punk in the style of matches. Is there anybody else you could see working in them? Because I see a lot of strong technical wrestling from guys like Darby, which is surprising. I know at first you weren't a huge Darby Allen fan, but if you go back and watch his MJF match and you watch his CM Punk match, you see that the dude can legitimately wrestle in the ring. It's not just a show. So I feel like putting somebody like Darby in there, putting uh, MJF in there, even and I hate to repeat myself from a previous person, but even somebody like Powerho uh, Powerhouse Willie Hobbs, like you look at him like that, you see guys that have strong amateur backgrounds, I think could thrive with a unique style of mid-card title coming in. One that it specifically focuses towards guys that come from that kind of a background. So they've got guys deep in their roster that can do it. Yeah, uh, Hook is one of those guys. I yeah, absolutely. Hook, yeah, I think Hook would be phenomenal in that. Um, and MJF is definitely one that was on my uh, on my list as well. I, I think would do phenomenal on that. Um you know, there, there are some guys in AEW that maybe even some in WWE that could still do that kind of style. 
Um, it's just, are they, are they going to do that style? Like, are they going to be allowed to do that style? And if they are, then yeah, you know, this is where they're going to thrive at is ROH. Um, so moving on, the next segment was TK said in a media call that Kenny Omega would play a major role in the trios division moving forward when he comes back from injury. Do you think this will involve and evolve into an elite versus bullet club kind of thing? Because, I mean, if you look back all the way to the 2017, 2018, 2019 feud, Cody, Kenny, JY, the good brothers, the young bucks, all of these guys were intertwined tama like they were all there evil like everybody was intertwined and then they kind of split and the elite became its own thing and the bullet claim club became its own thing then chaos became its own thing like a stable with little subgroups inside of itself do you think with kenny omega coming back and helping run the trios that we'll start seeing the evolution of these stables again in AEW or ring of honor so excuse me sorry I hope whatever Omega does, it's better than what he did with the women's division in AEW. Um, he put a lot of effort into his friends or, um, as some people say, his fetishes in Japan for the women's division. And I think the women's division is doing better now without all of his influence being part of it. Um, when it comes to trios and clubs and all this kind of stuff, the Bullet Club is a watered-down version to me of the NWO. Um yeah, their stars are big, but, you know, there is a Stevie Ray group. There is a Kevin Nash group. There is a Hulk Hogan group. Um, it's really divided. And when you look at the different evolutions and revolutions of the Bullet Club, it's not as powerful as people say it is. And pretty much anybody can get in. Like, I, I'll say, like, Chase Owens, for example. Chase was a bottom tier guy. Now he's finally, after five or six years in the Bullet Club, is starting to get to that next level um, and that higher level. So Bullet Club is a learning tree, I think. I think you, you've got the veterans in there, and then they're developing the younger guys and developing them into bigger roles. Um, but, you know, when you look at, like, you know, Jay Lethal and things like that, like, you know, these guys are big, but they're big fish in small ponds. And when they get to these big oceans that's where they kind of flounder and really show themselves i once again you and i for some reason you and i are always this tit for tat thing like you and i are like outside of the wrestling world great friends and for two people that you know have i don't want to say devoted because that might be but has spent as much time watching the wrestling living in the business trying to be like as much as we can inside of wrestling in every capacity in our lives, we don't agree very often for two friends as close as we are. Because yeah. I think the Bullet Club, yes, it's kind of the, uh, New Japan's version of the NWO, but they're they're huge. They're they current they even do the click, but they have active members in New Japan and AAA and AEW and Ring of Honor and an Impact. So it's hard for me to say they're they're. A, a failing stable when they have active members literally all over the world. Yeah, well, the Click had uh, DX. Uh, they had the NWO. They, to a lesser degree, had Just Incredible down in ECW, um, who was part of the initial Click um, yeah. off member. So, you know, it, it, it there's different degrees to this thing. And, you know, one, you're a mark here wearing a Mr. T hat. Um, that's a Tennessee hat. Get your stuff straight. That is an orange power tea, Knoxville, oh, okay. right of the Southland, Smoky. You don't even know. Get out of here. Neyland Stadium is—it's the Holy Land. I thought that was Mr. T there. 
whatever. Get out of here with your Florida State Seminole vesicles. Get off my effing show, Bobby Mack. Tennessee. Sorry, Bama. I know you're not going to appreciate that part, but I'll never say it. UT all day. Yeah, but, you know, the, the Bullet Club, you know, again, there's different levels to it. And some of the guys that are in the Bullet Club, their issues are that they are too into themselves instead of the business. And um, I think that's where, like, somebody like AJ Styles, like, he he's able to understand the business and he goes to the business. And if he has to give up creative freedom or something like that to make money for his family and make money for, you know, his future, he gets it. Um, the Bucks and Omega, like they have to have their creative freedom. And really they're kind of like Vince Russo to me. They need somebody to stop them and say, Hey, you know what guys, that's great and all, but that's not going to sell tickets. That's not going to make us money. Um, you know, tone it back a little bit and I think that's where the bullet club is is they do they need that guiding light they need that one veteran that's made it like um like AJ um for example or like Finn Balor they need that one person that's also a business person to say you know what funny doesn't always make money so I it's it's not that funny makes money though I just I feel like the what five minutes I heard you I see you all righty so that's this show. No, <laughs> but I feel like a uh, bullet club in its own entity and right through everything, even with the subgroups, the elite, all of them, I went through it. I feel like it, I just can't, it's hard for me to lump them in where to say that they're not what they are. I give them respect for that. So we kind of went through my whole list, Bobby, you got any closing remarks on what you think AEW and ring of honor might mean? Yeah, I think that it's going to mean great things for AEW if they produce a um, channel and they want to do more content, whether it comes to, you know, DVD, Blu-ray, all that kind of stuff, video cassette, uh, whichever one that Tony wants to produce. I think history-wise, you know, a lot of their guys, um, CM Punk and Bryanson, uh, for example, are both going into the Ring of Honor Hall of Fame this year. It's got a lot of content that where they can create just really great videos, um, which they've never really done before. So I'm interested in what Khan's doing when it comes to creative of videos and backstream and streaming and what he has up his sleeve behind this purchase because I would say impact is next on his list. You think he'll go for impact? Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think Tony's going to try to I think he's going to try to create an NWA type style of promotion where he inherits all these other smaller territories and then is able to make AEW the all elite promotion while everybody else is off on their own. So you think he'll purchase them out, let them kind of run. Do you not see that failing in the way Vince did with uh, WCW's buyout? I, I know you got to go and that's a, that's a loaded question, but do you not see the, the parallels there with what you're trying to describe? Because that's exactly what Vince was doing when he bought WCW and bought ECW. Yeah, but Vince always envisioned it as WWE and WWE was a superior brand. With Tony, I think that he would actually let these other promotions run in their separate territories, let them develop their own people, let them develop their own style, the Tennessee style for Impact, um, the, uh, North or the Northern style for ROH, and then be able to bring them all together in AEW as super shows. Because I think ideally, that's what we all want is some super shows like AEW, try, or I'm sorry, like AWA tried back in the day with Super Brawl. Um, that's, I think, what Tony Khan's like whole image is, and I think that's where he's going for. 
And to me, like, that'd be a smart business move. All right, Bobby, I appreciate you. Sorry, what's that? So it would be like the NFL of wrestling. The NFL. I don't, I don't think so. I think that it would definitely be Tony Khan running AEW and allowing these smaller independent shows to continue running themselves under his big umbrella. I think that it's good for wrestling in a sense that it gives everybody that safety net that they didn't have before. Instead of the end, I don't, I'm not going to compare this and this, I'm going to get shot in the mouth and people are going to come at me with pitchforks. Think of it like in 45, when those guys in Iowa said, Hey, Somebody needs to be governing all these small guys to make sure everybody has a fair shot and an equal cut. That's how the NWA was founded. If Tony Khan does this right in 2022, he could help reshape how independent wrestling is formed in 2022 if he does it right. Yeah, and I think I think one of his best partners out there is probably going to be the NWA because that partner that owns that thing, he's got a lot of money too that uh, and a lot of influence when it comes to venues and things like that. So. Tony Khan, Tony Khan's a smart guy. Um, I'm really curious about what, what this opens. And this, this really is uh, opening that, uh, that back door, the unforeseen door that uh, he talks about. So, all right, Bobby, uh, close it out. Tell them what you're doing and uh, get on with the rest of your day. I appreciate you jumping on with me such in a hurry this morning. Yeah, man. Uh, Twitter, yellow shoe guy, uh, anywhere else, yellow shoe guy, yellow shoe guy. So just follow me, Twitter, follow me on TikTok, uh, all that kind of good stuff. I'd love to interact and talk to you about professional wrestling or video games or anything else that's on your mind. Um, but we definitely don't pity the fools here at Mr. T TV. Well, once again, Power T, University of Tennessee, go big orange. Bobby, Matt, get out of here with your nonsense. I love you, brother. I'll talk to you soon. All right, bro. I'll talk to you later. Now, as we close another episode of Botch Bots and Share Shots, I want to take a minute and thank you for listening. I want to remind you to go to wherever you do anything on the internet. Google, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, literally anywhere you have all the options. Like, follow, subscribe, unsubscribe, but then subscribe again. Leave a comment telling us how great we are, how terrible we sound. Either way, it helps the algorithm and it helps find new listeners. Now, if you're feeling really generous and want to be one of those VIP people, you can head over to Patreon and donate to the cause. You get some swag and it helps us get some special guests. It's a win-win. As always, I am your host, The Will Gray. Thanks for stopping by and listening, my people.